we're in a series. This is week five on Walk This Way. And um, we're going to be looking at the end of chapter four. Uh, last week, I talked about the power uh, of boldness. When we speak boldly, when the disciples spoke boldly, that uh, what happened? It was amazing. People's lives were transformed. It wasn't about their theology. It wasn't about who they were and their dynamic personalities or that they were gifted speakers. It was that they just stepped out in boldness and that boldness is in each of us, that we have the Holy Spirit living in each of us. And, and just naturally, just because of that, we are bold and he is inside us as boldness and he's just waiting to get out. He's just waiting to get out and we just have to open our mouth and move and he comes out of us and what I said last week, which is, an, I don't know if it's an exaggeration. I exaggerate a lot to make my point, but I said that we shift eternity for people. That's what happens when we move in boldness. We shift their life now and we shift their life forever for eternity as God speaks through us and brings them into their kingdom. And so um, it's an amazing talk. And so you should listen to it. Send it to your friends. And uh, the $5 charge, you can just give cash to me for those uh, sendings. And uh, no, I'm just kidding. There's not that. But uh, today I want to talk about the early church. It says that they're one, of one heart and mind. And I want to talk about two things. I want to talk about what does it mean to be of one heart and mind, the importance of that as a church, to be unified. But also, mainly, what is the source for that? What is the source? Like, why, how do we become one heart and mind. Because if we want to become and do the things that the disciples did that we see happening in the early church, what do we have to do? Walk this way. Walk like them. Talk this way. Talk like them. Be like them in every way. And we see that they're one in heart and mind, one in heart and soul. And so today I want to talk about that. Like, what does that mean? What does that look like? And then how do we get it? How do we do it? Okay? And so uh, we're going to launch into that. But first I want to tell you a story. Um, about, you know, many of you know that I'm Cherokee. Those are my people. And uh, as a result of that, you guys have been very generous. I've gotten, like, Indian drums. I've gotten uh, Cherokee pictures. I've gotten headdresses, like authentic headdresses, Cherokee headdresses. And uh, I have, like, a little one with a feather that I used to wear when I was doing my sermons and uh, when I was working on stuff. And I just embraced this culture, which was of me, and I was of it, and um, it was part of my identity. Anyway, um, so Grace and I, my daughter Grace is adopted, and I'm adopted, and my mom told me this, my biological mom when I met her, right? And so we're like, we're going to do Ancestry.com. So for Christmas, we got that, and we did the test, we sent it away, and we got the results back this week, right? And so, you know, it's going to confirm that I am Cherokee, and I'm going to start getting checks from the government, and my kids are going to go to college for free. So I'm pretty fired up, right? And so, and so Grace gets her results back, and she's adopted from Russia, and really no surprise in the majority of it. It just says that kind of where she was, Lithuania, is where all of her family is, all of her contacts are, like, and there's part, she has Asian as well. Uh, which is not unusual. But also, listen to this. She has 2% Native American. 2% Native American. They say that what happened was the, the people living in that area, they migrated over Alaska, went down, and they began to colonize. They began to live in that area, and that those are where the Indians came from, or some of the Indians came from. It's fascinating, right? Okay, so anyway, I get my test back, and I'm 
you know, terrified to look at it because I'm thinking there's not going to be any Cherokee in here and I have to confess that. I've written that on legal documents. I've written that on doctor's reports. I've written that on everywhere that I think, you know, I want to be cool, you know, and I want, yeah, just to be awesome like the Cherokee Indians are, okay? And so, and so I, uh, I got my results and, and it says that I am mostly, mostly from Great Britain, from Great Britain, Right? What's up with that? It extends kind of down into France and Spain. Mostly Great Britain. And I was told that I was just a little bit Cherokee. Okay, so that's, that wasn't a surprise. It also says, get this, I'm 27% Irish. I know. Magically delicious. I know, that's what I was, you know. That's my cereal. This is my people now. The leprechauns. The leprechauns. Rainbows. Gold. That's what I'm about. So if you want to give me stuff because of that, okay, so... And so, get this, 0% Cherokee, <laughs> zero. Grace has more Cherokee than I do. And I, I was devastated, obviously. I was just a wreck. I went to emotional depression and knew I was going to have to confess that. And so, uh, again, I was... Uh, I, I was, I, I'm zero Cherokee. Okay, there's other little things, but I'm Irish, and I'm from Great Britain, and so, we, you know, Queen, and the Lucky Charms guy. Lucky, lucky Charms guy, okay? <sighs> leprechauns. I kind of do look like a leprechaun. I'm short. I have awkward feet that are really wide, and um, anyway. But, but the reason we wanted to do that is there's something in wanting to know where we belong, Right? There's something that, that, that is in us wanting to know where we belong. Who are we a part of? Where's our identity like, come from? And, and in, in the natural, there's some, there's some benefit in that. There's some excitement about that. There's some, there's some um, you know, goodness about that. But, but really, that doesn't define who we are. You know, because as I've grown up a part of that, you know, like I'm acting like a Cherokee Indian running around with bows and arrows and doing that kind of thing. So who I really was blood-wise didn't affect who I was, uh, you know, in the way that I acted. But in the spiritual realm, in the spiritual realm, who we belong to, who we come from, whose we are is the most significant thing about us. That our actions and our behaviors no longer define us. But who we are in the Father, if we are in the Father, we are in His love, we are in His children, that is the most important thing about who we are. And we're going to look at that. We're going to look at that, that it's the Father's love. It's that we are children of the Father that unites us as one. One heart, one mind, one soul. It's being in His love. There is nothing else that we gather around as Christians that unite us. It unites us with him as our father, and then as, as his children, and then it unites us as brothers and sisters when we gather around communion as a family, and then it unites us and shows the world who we belong to so that they would come in to his family and making him his father. Okay, so we're going to read Acts 4, 32 through 37. Now, the full number of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. This is 5,000. 5,000 people, one heart and one soul. Okay? And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, 
the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and grace and great grace was upon them all. There was no not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what we sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barabbas, Barnabas, well, Barabbas, that's a typo, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So Luke, we see this happening. We see this happening in Luke. Holy Spirit, we just ask you to come and open our hearts to this. We, we see this in Luke, that he is contrasting, that he is showing the difference between Barabbas and Ananias and Sapphira, who is coming up in the next chapter, who die, who die whenever they reflect a heart that is not consistent with what's happening in the church and their brothers and sisters, and is not consistent with trusting a loving father who has given them everything. And so we see Barnabas doing this. We see Barnabas acting like the church, acting one like he, like he trusts the father as he's part of the family, and that his identity and his self-worth and who he is is found in the father and his love. And so he's able to trust him with everything. Okay, so Luke, that's one of the things that Luke is doing. Okay, but, but really what's happening when we see this, like I just said, is they're reflecting, they're reflecting to the world who they really are, aren't they? Who they belong to. And so Luke's setting us up with that. Okay, so it says in verse 32, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. 5,000 plus people united in one heart and one soul. Takes something very powerful, wouldn't it? Can you imagine 5,000 people gathering? Let's say that they're all Christians. We ain't going to be unified. No, that's why there's so much division in the church, so much division in the church because we struggle to be unified. We struggle to be unified because we gather around the wrong things. We gather around the wrong things. We, we, we major in the minors. But right here, it takes something powerful, and we're going to look at that. It's the Father's love, obviously. One heart, one mind. One mind, one heart is literally uh, what it means is in heart and soul. One heart and soul. And the Jewish thought heart was the center of intellectual activity and soul was the seat of the will. Taken together, they reflect the total inner being of a person. One heart and one soul. They were united. One heart, one soul. And what that's saying is at their very core, at the source of their behavior, at the source of their identity, at the source of what is most important about them and who they belong to, there is this unity that reflects, that reflects something that is so intimate, so deep, so powerful that it unites them. And what that is, spoiler alert, is the Father's love. It is the Father's love deeply ingrained in who they are, having experienced him, that unites them. And that's where we're going. And what we see here is that they're spiritually unified as the gospel's going out, but also they're material, materially satisfied and unified. They're selling all their goods and, you know, and voluntary distribution. 
You know, Luke's not laying down a law here. Everyone has to do this. Everybody go sell everything and bring it and give it to everybody. No, Luke's not, he's not creating a law. He's, he's talking about an opportunity, something that is naturally happening as a result of that core thing inside of them. That core thing, the Father's love that is inside of them, is causing them to do these things. Not because they have to, but because they want to. But because there is life there. Because they've experienced his love with him, they're outpouring that with each other. Look at in verse 43 and 34, we see this. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as they had needs. And so we see this happening, right? So it says that they're talking about their testimony, which is what? What is their testimony? This is who I was. I experienced God's power. I experienced God's love. I witnessed the resurrection, the death of Jesus. This is my testimony. It's the testimony of the Father's love demonstrated and poured out in the person of Jesus Christ for me. And so this is the source, okay? This is what's happened to them. They're telling the testimony, and what happens? There's grace. There's great power. Things are happening. Things are happening. And then... After that, it says that they give to everyone who is need, in need within their family as brothers and sisters, within their family. So experience with God, experience the Father's love individually is the source, and then it's poured out into the family. And we begin to live and act and demonstrate this is who we belong to. This is who we are. This is my tribe. These are my people. This is my tribe. These are my people. And this is what it looks like to have Jesus in your heart, to be saved, to experience his love, the love of the Father. Their inner unity is the root, and the fruit follows later. Inner unity with the Father, inner unity with his love, Interconnectedness at our core is the root, and then the fruit follows later. We must observe the same order. We must experience God's love, love one another, and then allow this love to spread itself, to manifest itself in external ways. And what's happening here? We see the two great commandments, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? And then what's the second? The second is unto it, to love your neighbor as yourself. This is the great commandment. It's just happening. It's just happening because of what's here, because of the Father's love. It's just, they're not like running around like, you got to do this. You got to do that. It's just something they did. There was no programming. There was, there, there was no like, you know, Peter at the front saying, yo, 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 y'all need to go over and do this. Show up, go to, you know... Philippi, and, and do this, and do this, and do this, and do this. You know, when you wake up in the morning, wake up at 7 o'clock, have your quiet time, we're going to have a Bible study on how to share your testimony, and then we're going to go do this. No. No. We see in the church, because of this power, it's like they can't stop doing it. They can't help but do it. They are like on fire, right? 
And they are just going. I mean, they're just going and telling their testimony. Grace is there. People are coming to Jesus. They're loving each other. People are loving them. And it's multiplying. They're praying for boldness. And it's happening. It's happening. It's happening. And we see God add, right, to the church. We see God add to the church. And within a few weeks, there's 5,000 people as a result of the Father's love. Starting with the Father's love demonstrated in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I mean, there are massive differences we see in this cultural situation right now. Massive differences within the cultures. Yet they're able to unify. They're unified in the Father's love. Why? Because it is flipping powerful. When you experience the Father's love, it will be like a storm in your life that will change everything, rearrange everything. He'll rock your world. He will rock your world, people. And you think about, you know, I was thinking about, like, what is like this today? What would cause us to drop everything and be so consumed with something that we would just go for it and we would do it? What about this? What about this? What about when, when, when a hurricane comes or a tornado comes? What happens? We're all working. We're all working. Hurricane's coming. We gotta, everyone's boarding up. Everyone's getting water. Everyone's getting gas. Everyone starts to help everyone, don't they? Can I come stay with you? You have a generator. Can I bring on my frozen food? Can I do this? Can I do that? And then we all hunker down together, unified, in one, because there's this massive storm coming. We unify, and then the storm comes, and it changes everything around us, wrecks it, and then what do we do? We mobilize into the community, right, to, to like, chainsaw people's trees. I asked it's the best reason to buy a chainsaw right there. Honey, I need a chainsaw. It needs to be like four feet long, and I need to be able to wield it like a lifesaver, lifesaver because I need to cut people's trees up, right? But that's what we're doing. We're bringing people water. We're sharing meals. We're doing everything that needs to be done to help people, to encourage people. And what are we doing? We're building, we're, we're unified. Well, the love of the Father is like, like, like a storm you can't imagine. The love of the Father is like something you can't put a cap on. The love of the Father is something that will wreck that will be like a storm in your life and change everything. And when you experience that and you grow deeply in that, you will be unified with each other. We will be unified as a church. And as that storm comes into our life, it comes into our church, we bring it into the community. And we bring it into other people's lives. And that storm, like I said, it will wreck their life and they will experience this love and they will come to be a part of this family. That's what happens. That's what happens when we experience the Father's love. It is the most powerful thing. It is the most powerful thing in the universe. It is what has changed everything. He has changed everything. So what's changed today? Why, why doesn't this happen? It's because we're unified around other things. We're unified around programs to feed the poor, which is good. We're unified around missions. That's good. We're unified around studying the Bible, which is good. We're unified around fellowship with each other, which is good. But what happens? What do those things feel like often? Like we have to do them. I need to do this. I'm supposed to do this. And so we do them. Is there life there? No. There is no life. There is no freedom and obligation. Are we called to do those things when we don't feel like it? Absolutely. But what if, what if God's plan is come to me first, seek first my kingdom, seek first my father's love, seek first me, and I will in you create something that you cannot stop. 
And you will want to read the Bible. You will want to have time with each other. You will want to feed the poor. You will want to go on missions. You will, you, you will see the rest of life as a distractum to the kingdom life that comes in experiencing the love of the Father. We are sons and daughters first. And then we are brothers and sisters who gather for worship, for encouragement, around a family table at times where we share meals. We take care of each other's needs. And then we go and bring that to the world. That's the order that it has to happen. It has to happen that way. There's no other way for it to happen and for you to be free. There's no other way. We've all believed lies. If I do this, then the Father loves me. If I do this, then I'm a good Christian. If I do this, then I'll have peace. If I do this, if I do this, if I do this. That is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ is, it's not about what you have done. It's about what I have done. And you are in me. You have my heart. And the more you experience my love, the more you will act like me. Not backwards. If it's backwards, you will burn out. You will get broken God will allow that to happen because he loves you too much for you to stay in bondage to the lies of Christianity. Those are lies that we believed about how to experience life with Christ. They are lies. It is only in the Father's love that we have freedom in Christ. It is only in understanding grace and experiencing grace and receiving his blessing that we have the ability to love each other, truly love each other. I mean, we're all good at faking it, right? Amen, uh-huh. We're all good at faking it because that's what we've learned to do. We're all good at looking at what other people are doing and trying to do it because that's what we've been taught to do. Imagine what would happen if we loved each other so much that we couldn't get enough of hanging out. What I know, seriously. <laughs> I say that and some of you are just thinking, oh, heck no. Uh, I'm not doing that. That is just, that is crazy. It's going to take a miracle. Well, guess what? God is a God of miracles, right? And when you lower the bar to believing that can't happen with me or I cannot imagine that, I'm not even going to go there. You're believing a lie of who God is, who you belong to, and what the church is capable of. Because this is real. This is happening. We can have this. We see it worked out in 5,000 people. And it just kept growing and growing and growing as a result of them experiencing love. This is, uh, I want to read a prayer. This is Jesus's, Jesus's high priestly prayer. He prays it to the Father. And he prays it to the Father about the disciples. And he prays it to the Father about the believers that are getting ready, that are going to continue to come. This is right before he's crucified, right? And so this is like his final like, encouraging word that we see prioritizing certain values of the kingdom of God. He's praying this so that we would see how to live when Jesus ascends after the resurrection. This is how life is found. John 17, 20 to 23. I did not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe 
Okay, who will believe through the work. So he's saying that I'm not asking for only the people who have been saved, these disciples around me and these apostles. I'm also asking for this to happen with everyone who will be saved in the future, who will come after me. That this is it. That they may all be one. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. This is crazy right here. That they also may be in us. Why? So that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, the power, the majesty that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me. I in them and you in me. That they may become perfectly one. I in you, they in me. Us and Jesus, us and God, intimacy, Father's love, I and you, you and me, that's where it begins, so that they would become perfectly one. The church would be unified in that reality, so that the world may know that you sent me, and then out of that unity, that you may know the world has sent me. You may know the world has sent me, and love them even as you love me. Back around to what? Love of the Father. Do you see the pattern here? This is Jesus, before he's getting ready to die, telling us, pay attention, people. Pay attention, people who are going to believe as I leave. Me and you first. So that, you, so that we will be made one. So that the world will know how much my Father loves them. And as they do, what happens? They come into the kingdom, they come into the family, and they go out so that the world may know that I love them. This is the pattern. End them, then a family, and then loving the world. You know, the first talk I did in this series was talking about the importance of waiting, Right? On the important, before we do anything, we have to wait on the Lord. And then the power comes, and then we go out. This, we see this all through Scripture. We see this in the Old Testament when God is talking to Moses and talking to Joshua. He's talking to David. We see this in the New Testament whenever, what happens first thing in Jesus' ministry? Father's love first. Then he unifies a small group. Who is my family? My mom and my brother aren't my family. This is my family. He defines what family is. And then he brings the kingdom in power and glory and brings people in to his family. That's Jesus. And then we see it happening through Acts. The Acts of the Apostles, which are really the Acts of the Spirit. The power of the Spirit. This is what our motivation should be. This is, this, if, if there's one thing that we should be doing, if there's one thing, it's the most important thing. There's me exaggerating, but it's not an exaggeration, right? This is what the Word tells us. These aren't my words. This is what Jesus prayed. This is what Acts shows us. There is one thing, folks, that you need to be focused on. It's the Father's love. It's the Father's love. And when you don't, you will die. You will die. You will bleed out. You will bleed out as a Christian if you know Jesus, and you won't find life 
You will never come to him if you think it's about doing things. But if you ground your life in the Father's love, if you ground your life in his love, you will experience power. You will experience love in a way that, that, that draws us together and makes us a storm, a force to be reckoned with. Very powerful. Very powerful. And this is what also happens. is, is not only in kingdom ministry do, do we see this happening and people coming to be saved. But when this happens in our life, we love our wives and our husbands differently. When this happens in our life, we move into friends' lives. We move towards them when we see their brokenness, their messiness, and their pain. We move towards them. We believe things like, yeah, the only hope for my child is to be touched by the presence of God. That's it. That's all they need. Regardless of what's happening in your life, regardless of the pro. The problems in your life, regardless of the pain in your life, regardless of what you see around you, there is one thing and only one thing that brings true change. And it happens, it can happen like this. A touch of the presence of God and it changes everything. It will, it's like a storm. I keep saying that. It's like a storm in your life. You have no idea how powerful it will be if you haven't experienced it. But when you experience it, you will know it. Your desires change. Your motivations will change. And we will be transformed into new creations. The old will be gone. The new will come. You won't have to try to be transformed. You won't have to try to bear fruit. You just will because of the Father and his love and spending time with him and getting to know his heart. As you get to know his heart, you begin to act like his heart. His heart lives in you. He is grounded in you. He is that, in that deep place where all of our motivations. He is at the seat of our will, and it drives us to bring life. It naturally happens when we spend time with the Father. I mean, let's take a pause. Let's back up. What if you knew everything about the Bible? What if you knew everything about God? I mean, you can't. I mean, what, if, what if you like fed the poor in Jacksonville, like every one of them, and they were full, and, and, and poorness went away. Poorness went away. Poverty went away. That's the Irish. That's how the Irish say it, okay? I'm just saying, my people, all right? What if, what if, what if you had perfect theology? What, what if you had all of the things that, 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 that the, the church has taught us we have to have, but you didn't have... You didn't have the Father's love. It didn't lead you to the Father's love. It's a waste. It's a waste. I have a professor when I was in England who was, was kind of teaching me the things of the Spirit. And the first time I met with him, he said, uh, when theology ceases to lead us to worship, it is a waste. When theology ceases to lead us to worship, it is a waste. And I thought about that, and then this came to me. When knowledge about God ceases to lead us into a deeper love relationship with him, it is a waste. When knowledge about God ceases to lead us into a deeper love relationship with God, it's a waste. It's an absolute waste. A.W. Tozer said, the devil is the better theologian than us all, but he is still the devil. Devil has perfect theology. Devil knows who Jesus is. Devil understands all that stuff. He knows the word better than you. He knows it all. He knows it all. But he's still the devil. Why? He doesn't have the Father's love in him. He has rebellion in him. And brokenness in him. But he knows it all. 
Jesus said to the, the Pharisees, you search the word. You know the word, but you don't know me. You don't know me. You've, Jesus says, you fed the sheep. You've done this. You, 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 you've, you've gone and you've done these things, but you don't know me. He's separating sheep and goat, right? Sheep and the goats. And he's saying, you've done all these things, but you don't know me. And the ones that don't know him don't come into the kingdom. It's about the Father's love. Danny Silk says this. The son or daughter believes life is about living in the Father's perfect love. Therefore, my goal is to receive his love and learn to love like he does. So how do we increase the love? It all comes back to our relationship with the Father. No matter the problem in your life, a broken relationship, a sin issue, or some other kind of emotional or relational pain, the solution lies in your connection with him. Run to the Father and let his love overcome all fear in your life. In the same way that the Father's love united the early church, the reason why he did that, the reason why he wants you to come in him is because the Father, God, Jesus God, and the Holy Spirit God are united and will, united in one heart and one mind and one soul. You know what around? Their love for you. That's what they unite around. That is the core of who they are. Their love for each other and then their love for you and then their love for the world. Think about that. The creator of the universe, the one who created everything at his core, because of his love with the Trinity, because of the Trinity, are, they are unified around you, around their love for you. That's crazy. That's powerful. That's amazing. It's transforming. If you allow him to do that in you, if you go to him, you run to him, you spend time with him, you love him, and we all do that in different ways. Stop believing the lies about doing this and doing that. And if I do this, then he'll love me. Those, those are just lies. They're not true. The Father, his love for you is unimaginable. It's concentrated on us. If we believe this truth, we will be unified. If we believe this truth, if we experience this truth in our life, we will be unified. This will, it's the only thing that can happen. And in being unified, we will transform the world. It's the only thing that can happen. It's only what can happen when we experience the Father's love in deepening and growing ways. This love for me, I've learned, is my only hope. It's a very simple truth, but it's also very hard because of our baggage, because of our background, because we're trying to, to earn and the world teaches us this. But it's the only hope. He's the only hope for the world. He's the only hope for my marriage. He's the only hope for my children. He's the only hope for the church. In his love, in his love, everything changes. Let's stand.